Hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. So, um, we want to continue with our series on the importance and the power of quiet time. And today should be part eight or uh, part nine. We are making progress. Hallelujah. Remember, like we said in our introduction, there are three practical areas on quiet time that we are going to cover. We said number one is why should we have a quiet time? Number two is how to have a meaningful quiet time. And number three is how to deal with common problems that arise in quiet time. Now, we are still on the point one which is oh, why do we need to have a quiet time you're still on point one so all what we've been doing from um, part two till today is on the first point that we outlined which is why we should have a quiet time and even under that we said that there are three reasons why we should have a quiet time we said number one because we need fellowship with god Number two, because it is our privilege as Christians. And number three, because we gain tremendous benefits from it. We have already covered the point A under the number one, which is um, um, why we need fellowship with God. And we are currently on B, and second reason why we have quiet time, which is because we, it's a privilege for us. It's our privilege as Christians. Now, remember last week we said that quiet time allows us four great privileges. Please, the way I teach, okay, it, it, is, it is such that you will need to follow me for a long time to catch where I'm taking you to. Praise God. So listen, if you take these teachings very casually i'm telling you god is giving you so many solutions to your problems and so many solutions to your future problems now so if you take them for granted trust me you will have no excuse in the future i know what i'm saying i'm very sure about what i'm saying so we began to look at the four great privileges that quiet time allows us we said number one the first privilege quiet time gives us is that through the quiet time we give devotion to god that's why we call it morning devotion or the morning watch so through the quiet time we have the privilege of giving our devotion or expressing our devotion to god so we give devotion to god we said number two is we get direction from god number three we gain delight in god and number four we grow more like god now the lord began to share with me in the book of daniel chapter 6 the verse 5 when 
um, the Chaldees and the magicians and the astrologers began to see the spirituality of Daniel, the blemishness of Daniel. They sought counsel against Daniel uh, so that Daniel can fall. But actually, if you are a man of the spirit, you get to realize that the plot of these childings and these wicked men was actually Satan plotting that agenda through them. But something struck me as I began, this week the Lord instructed me to read the whole book of Daniel again. And I didn't know why, but I have learned so many things in the book of Daniel that when I read it before, I didn't get. Now, if you observe, he says, then said these men, that was Daniel's enemies. Of course, Satan was operating through them. Uh, so he says, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. That means when we look at it from the outward perspective, he doesn't come to work late. He's not living in fornication. He's not stealing money from Babylon kingdom. So on the outside, there's nothing we can stand on to say, Daniel, we got you. But there was something he said. <laughs> Very risky. He says, except we find it against him concerning what? The law of his God. And surprisingly, you may be thinking the law of his God is the Ten Commandments. In context, he was not even speaking about Ten Commandments here. He was not even speaking about the law of Moses here. When you check the, the um, trend of that storyline, it was talking about Daniel's spirituality. Daniel's devotion to God. Daniel's quiet time. In fact, Daniel's prayer life. That, so, to Daniel, his spirituality was based on spiritual laws. And these men observed it and they said, Okay, on the outer, we can't get him, he's right everywhere. The only thing we can do before we bring Daniel down is to cause Daniel to break his spiritual laws that governs his walk with God. Oh, my goodness! So, when you read from the next verse, do you know the setup? The setup was that the king should sign a signet that nobody is supposed to pray or make petition to God for the next 30 days. So actually they were expecting that Daniel wouldn't pray for 30 days. Do you know what that meant? Daniel's spiritual life was a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And hear this also. Daniel's spiritual disciplines were actually spiritual laws he was observing to keep him active in spirit so the enemy designed and observed that if I can cause him to break the law that governed his relationship with God or spiritual laws that Daniel was obeying to keep his altar on fire they will get him So watch this. Daniel was ready to spend the night in a lion's den than to live a day without prayer. 
You know what Daniel was telling us? This book of Daniel, chapter 6, the verse 5, is simply telling us that the devil, before he attacks you, he lures you to break the spiritual laws that governs your work with God before he attacks. This is crazy. Before Satan launches an attack against the believer, he first lures the believer to break the spiritual laws governing his walk with God before he launches. You know what that means? Before Satan will attack your marriage, he will first attack your prayer life. Because prayer is actually a law in the spirit. It's a, it's a spiritual law that governs your relationship with God. He did the same to Adam and Eve. is a law before he attacks he lures you to break that law studying the bible is a law he will make you leave your bible and that's what has happened to many of you and please don't think it's good news I am telling you when I'm preaching I'm not preaching condemnation many of you don't know I have worked with God though so whatever I tell you I'm not speaking as an ignorant man the more you grow in God eh, the more narrow your life becomes it seems as though you are legalistic the more you are growing in God that's how your life becomes at the point it will seem as though you are legalistic your life becomes more narrow there are some things you can't do anymore. Places you can't go anymore. Songs you can't listen to anymore. Movies you can't watch anymore. And you may be thinking, am I getting legalistic? No, 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 no. The realm you're operating in now, now makes your life too narrow. Am I teaching someone here? so listen to me and listen I repeat again before Satan ever attacks any aspect of your life that means there was a spiritual law you broke this is what this verse is telling us except we find it concerning the law of his God that means let's enter into his spirituality the thing keeping his altar alive let's temper with it the thing keeping his walk with God active, let's temper with it. And I'll show you, look at the same Daniel chapter 6, the verse 10. You're going to see that law the enemy wanted him to break. You will see the law that the enemy wanted Daniel to break. Look, he says, now Daniel knew that the writing was signed. What was the writing? Don't pray for 30 days. He says he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees what how many times? Three times a day and prayed and what? Gave thanks before his God. What? As he did aforetime. That means that was his custom. It was not trouble that made him do it. It was not comfort that made him do it. It was... It, it was his normal life. So that means Satan studied the trend of Daniel's devotional life. Please observe it. 
he began to observe the trend of his prayer life and saw the damage that Daniel's devotion was doing in his kingdom. Are you following this thing? And you'll be wondering, okay, so why did Daniel purpose in his heart that he would not be defiled by the beat that was given to him in Babylon? When you do a proper study, you realize that there was a reason why Daniel didn't eat it. Those times, the, 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 the people from Babylon actually offered the meats they ate to idols in honor and worship before they brought it to the kings for them to eat it. So to Daniel, if you offer meat to an idol and bring it to a table for me to eat it, I have defiled my God. So Daniel says, I will purpose in my heart that I, Daniel, will not be defiled by the meat in the king's palace. So Satan was observing. So you eat what was offered to me. You will stop praying also. We will see. Listen to me. Satan is doing a research project on you. He's observing what you have been doing consistently. That he notices the power, the fervency, the intensity of your spiritual life. He's noticing it. Some of you is not worrying you because there's no weight. You are a normal Christian. Those people, it doesn't, you are not part of the people you attack because you, you are already under attack. Yeah. So it doesn't bother about you people. Christians who don't fast, who don't pray, who don't obey the word of God, they live in the house, they go to nightclub. They, those people, it's not part, they, are, they are not part of the attack system. Anybody who is serious with God, that's the people I'm talking about. So even this message is not for everybody. Satan will start doing research. Someone says, hey, me, uh, me, I should go and do this thing. If, uh, I should go and do, so I said, I will do research and come and attack me. Then I don't do it at all. The thing is that, you see, let me tell you something about, about Satan. Whether you are serious with God, eh, or you are not serious with God, he still doesn't like you. Please, are you getting that? He still doesn't like you, so it's better you get serious with God. So, listen to me. I said this to make a point that devotion to God is everything. The reason why a fetish priest is so powerful is because of his devotion to his God. That's why he, he gleans strength from him. I'm telling you. I told you last week that listen, whoever pays the highest price will win, whether in the kingdom of Satan or in the kingdom of God. While a witch in your family is offering his children unto the fifth generation as sacrifice to the witch kingdom, you are eating and dancing and watching Spartacus. The witch will win. The occult will win. You know why? Because they are paying prices you pay. When everybody is asleep, that's the time they are awake. You see, that's why we must take our devotional life so serious because it is the platform upon which our future is hanging on. Listen, everything rises or falls 
upon the platform of your devotion with God. Everything rises and falls on the foundation of your devotion with God. Don't underestimate these teachings that we are giving to you. Because there are some times you, you, may, you, you may not have the luxury of coming back to make it right after hearing what I'm teaching you. I saw a verse in the book of Leviticus chapter 27 the verse 28. We call it not a law of devotion. The law of devotion we can still apply today. Now, he says notwithstanding no devoted thing <laughs> that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he had, both of the man and beast, and of the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost just reading this verse. There was a law that was stated that anything you devote to the Lord becomes holy. That means you can't, you can't go back for it say you want to sell it or you want to go and take it again and bring it back no it says once you devote a thing to the lord you can't come back for it again that thing becomes holy i have seen churches i'm told there are churches in in uk and uh, us and all that some people can come and come and tell you give them their tithes they've paid for the past 20 years that's a case That money for, was used for God's project. And you came back for it. You, you have cursed your generation. Someone bought a car for a man of God and was angry with the man of God. He came for the car. <laughs> I'm like, hey, when people understand legalities in the spirit, eh, we won't mess up again. See people who pay offering and they collect the change. Eh? They take the change, they count the change from someone's offering he has given and they take it back. So actually, they wanted to give 20 CDs and they are having 50 CDs. So they put their hands in the offering bowl and take 30 CDs. You are breaking spiritual laws. He said, anything eh, that is given to the Lord is most what? Is what? Most holy. Unto who? The Lord. You know, have you realized that, for example, when you work in a bank, eh, the bank, or they use laptops. They use computers, right? But have you noticed that, apart from the banking system or the banking software that has been installed on it, nothing else is on it. Have you noticed that? You can't use it for Facebook. You can't use it for Instagram. You can't use it for YouTube. Have you noticed that? Do you know what that means? Those computers are no longer general computers. They are computers that has been consecrated for only banking. You get that? These drums can be in a theater. But once they are in the hands of God, it is not used to play Shatawale's song. No, are you getting me? That becomes desecrated. 
You know, that's why I fear for pastors who sleep with people in church auditoriums. When the auditorium was consecrated, it was consecrated for the purposes of God. Listen, we need to educate Christians about some of these vital things. Huh? If an auditorium has been consecrated for the Lord's work and you use it for something otherwise, you desecrate it. I'm teaching you something about devotion. I said that to make a very important point. If you say every morning you are going to give 30 minutes to God, please don't take it back. You know why? Once you decided that every morning, this is the time I spend with God. Every evening, this is the time I spend with God. This is the time I spend with God in the afternoon. That thing becomes what? Most holy unto the Lord. Many of you made an error. You dedicated a period of time within which you spent with God. It's been one whole month, you've not gone back. It's dangerous. I know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if your time is 4 a.m. and then sometimes you, you do it at 4.30. No, I'm talking about the time within which you decide to do it. If it's specific, it is good. But I'm trying to say so that nobody gets legalistic. Am I teaching you? So listen, once you devote yourself that you're going to spend time with Jesus Christ, and you did it for two months, it, that time became, an, it became holy to God. So, you see, that's what we need to understand that in the spirit, eh? There are many things we, the, the spirit realm sees as sin. That doesn't look like sin on the outward. Listen to me. If you read the New Testament, the Bible says, he who knows what is good and does not do it to him, it is sin. So, for example, you know you have to, do, you have to pray and you, are, you don't pray. It's a sin. If you decided to spend this amount of time with God, and you spent otherwise, or you didn't spend at all, to you, that thing was a sin. The Bible also says, whatsoever is not done out of faith is sin. So if you are praying and you don't believe the prayer you are praying, it's a sin. <laughs> See, we are all operating by mercy. Including me. I woke up 1 a.m. today. I've been praying till I came to the church. Maybe Drew Hano. Dama Dawa Hano. Nyasam Ketua. When I woke up, I said, Mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So what is devotion? Let me just help you out with something. Devotion is the wholehearted and irrevocable giving up to God. Devotion is the wholehearted and irrevocable giving up to God something which may never be taken back again. <laughs> I repeat myself again. Devotion is the wholehearted and irrevocable giving up to God something which may never be taken back again. If you find a man who has been having his morning devotion for 40 years, salute him. <laughs> it's the wholehearted and what irrevocable. That means once you have decided, nothing. Giving up to God something which you may never take back again. That's why we call it devotion. Devotional life. Something irrevocable. Something you do wholeheartedly. You don't take back again. So remember last week we established something. We said that there are two emphases permeating the body of Christ today, which is very dangerous. The first emphasis is the emphasis of what? Getting. Getting. So the agenda of many Christians today is to come to get things from God. So they find out, what will I get in coming to church? So today, a lot of programs are built based on what people get. Come today you receive appointment. Come today, your life will never be the same. Come today, there's a miracle for you. Come again? Yeah. I'm told someone has come the whole church for three billion. <laughs> Please. <laughs> And when you check, the person who give the highest amount of money, they'll give three billion. I, I, you, I, I cry for Christians. What are you doing in that place? You see, so when the emphasis on Christianity, you get it. <laughs> That's what you get. So everybody is looking in Christianity. What is in? What is in? What is inside that we can get? You say we should come for prayer meeting. What is inside the prayer meeting? They say we should give. What's inside? They say partnership. <laughs> partnership, what will I get? You are looking. Let me tell you. That life is not biblical. To the extent that a Christian will not come to church because the head pastor is not around. You see, that's what, that's what, that's how cheap we have become. So it's not about God of the man, but the man of God. 
if if a pastor does not prophesy in the service the service was not powerful so now pastors are under pressure because the name of their Tuesday meeting is prophetic and miracle service that's the name they have put there so that means they have to manifest it so some are now under pressure and you believe what some are doing now so the names of people who come for counseling when they write their names and they collect the names and they give it to the head pastor ah I hear my right here color woman rise up on your feet <laughs> I'm a seer eagle's eye there's nothing the Lord would do if he has not shown it to me I'm the mouthpiece and the earpiece of God. <laughs> hey. You know what's happening? It's because many Christians have emphasized their Christian life and what they can get from God. I told God one day that God, even if I come to realize you don't answer prayer, I'll still pray. Those people rather in the end get answers. Have you realized in the, in the Bible, all those who said, if we perish, we perish, never perished. <laughs> all king will be frank with you on this matter. We will not bow. For our Lord will deliver us. And even if he does not deliver us, we will still not bow. That's a dangerous Christian there. I am serving God in case he does not bless my finances. I also serve him. That's a dangerous Christian. Listen, the foundation of Christianity is Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 11 has told us. So listen to me. If any other foundation is laid on that foundation, your Christian life will fall. For under foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. Which is what? Jesus Christ. That is every believer's foundation. If your foundation for Christianity is what you can get out of it. A car, a house. A wife, a husband. Ha! <laughs> You're on the wrong foundation. And hear me. I'm making an open statement. We don't serve God for things. But when we serve God, he gives us things. We don't serve God for things. But when we serve God, he gives us things. This is deep. He's telling us, listen, Bible has given us our priority. Make your priority right. He says, seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word there is a standard. And all other things shall be added. Have you noticed these things shall be given? 
but added. So, in the midst of you seeking him, he just adds it to it. So, whilst you are still seeking him, he just adds it. Whilst you are moving, he adds it. Whilst you are moving, he adds it. That means, it is so much that the thing is not, the agenda is not about things so much that God is saying he just adds it on your journey of seeking him. Listen, if we serve God well, eh, there are so many things we don't pray about he gives to us. is one challenge we have in Christianity today. The emphasis on getting. The second emphasis is the emphasis on working for God and neglecting the worship of God. Emphasis on what? Working for God and neglecting what? The worship of God. I said to you last week that Satan, the God of this world, has sold us a bill of goods in getting us to substitute work for worship. And that's a big challenge we have in the body of Christ today. I say this with all humility. Most of the time, the most depressed people are church workers. You'll be shocked about what I'm saying. Most of the time, the most depressed sad people are church workers. You know why? Because they are thinking that their source of joy is in their, what they do as work for God. Martha was busy seven while Mary was busy sitting at his feet beholding his glory. And she was offended that Mary should have stopped to come and help her. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you worry about so many things, but one thing is needful. So listen to me. In your service of God, make sure the worship of God comes first. So we read in Matthew 14, it gave, it gave us a very serious thing to observe. He says, and Jesus said to them, get thee hand Satan, for it is written, thou shalt what? Worship the Lord your God and him shall thou save. Which one came first? Worship before service. That means, listen, our devotion to God comes first before our service to God. Service to God without devotion to God will lead to dryness in God. I've seen many Christians who go for evangelism without worship, without prayer. Ushers come to church to come and usher without prayer, without devotion with God. Ministers sing without devotion to God. And most of the time, what they release is dryness. Dry. The best musicians in Ghana don't have devotion with God. 
So a music star is going for a major program. He just gathers the best. And most of them are living in immorality. They don't pray. Then they carry them along with them because you are being paid now. And I wonder what they were ministering. Oh, these are hard truths, but I'm a prophet. I can't hide the truth. So the emphasis is more on working. So they are faithful workers and unfaithful worshippers. I've told you again and again, don't serve God outside of your devotion to God. We must minister to God in the fullness of the spirit. We must serve God in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Now, there are two reasons why we give daily devotion to God. Why we worship God. Now, number one, we are to give daily devotion to God because he deserves our devotion. He deserves our devotion. Revelation chapter 4, the verse 11. Now, I need to educate you on that. Anytime you're worshiping God, you're doing your devotion. When I say worship, I'm not just talking about five minutes of singing. No, that's also part of worship. But the, your entire devotional life is worship. Are you following that? Now look at that. He says, thou art what? Thou art worthy. So now, listen. Anytime you're doing devotion to God or you're worshiping God, it should be for the first reason that he deserves what you are doing. Please, are you following this? It's a privilege for you, but he deserves it. He says, you are worthy to receive what? Glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure, and they are and were created. Now look at Revelation chapter 5, the verse 12. Revelation 5, the verse 12. Now look, he says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive what? power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Now that's interesting. He says, worthy is the lamb. So whatever he received was because he was worthy. So we worship and give devotion to God. Number one, because what? He deserves it. Now, it is very vital to worship God because of this reason. So, in case we are having worship at church, you don't open your eyes and just cross your legs and just be watching us. That is disrespectful in the presence of God. Ushers cannot be talking outside because they feel that it's not their job. Listen to me carefully. Everything we do in any church service is what we receive from God. Worship is the only thing we give back to God. Notice that. 
when I'm teaching you, I am giving you a word. But it's only in worship that we give something to God. Glory and honor that is due his name. So nobody under any excuse should ever not worship God. I hardly see people kneel down in this house doing worship. I hardly see people lifted hands doing worship. And many of you don't know the benefits you gain. What it means to God to see his creation adoring him. Can I shock you? The only thing we'll be doing in heaven mainly is worship. Needs will not be met in heaven for your information. No need will be met in heaven. What will you be needing? Car? If you want to go to a place, you appear there. You want to eat any food, you think it, boom, is there. Ah, please, are you getting this thing at all? So, 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 you know, in this life, you have to work hard to build a house. In heaven, the mansions are already there. Houses are there. Are you following this? I was told by, by a book I read that all the any good work you do like you give to the poor and stuff they are all mat building materials you are building in heaven yes if you give to a poor person you just bought some cement in heaven of course not in that fiscal reality like cement cement but they are building materials there are some of you your building is uncompleted So when you are doing your morning devotion, do you know what you are doing? You are doing interior deco. <laughs> you know, you know the reason why we are emphasizing on this one? Hmm? Because every glory you harvest in your devotion with God or in your closeness with God, that's the same glory you manifest in the resurrection. Don't be deceived. Whatever you are doing in time is a seed. In resurrection, we will harvest. So in, in eternity, our glory will not be seen. Some will be more glorious than others. You can go and read 1 Corinthians 15. You'll find it there. Stars differ in glory. Have you realized that? Plants differ in glory and beauty. It's the same. That's how resurrection is going to be. It's going to differ in glory and beauty. Some of you write remedial classes in heaven. Oh, you don't know. All the classes you are missing, except you don't like coming. The Bible you don't like reading. Sermons you don't like listening. The notes you discarded. 
Some of you go back and do remedial classes. A man went to heaven and saw it. People were still studying. If you read the book of Revelation, it's called the everlasting gospel. We will learn this one forever. It's everlasting. Am I teaching good here? So tell somebody, take advantage of time. Because when we begin to live in eternity, there will be no time. Everything you are doing in time today is an advantage. Am I helping? Are you sure? So, the only thing we'll be doing is worship. And the truth be told, anywhere God is enthroned, there's worship. So, angels are surrounding His glory in heaven, worshiping and saying what? Holy, holy, holy. Why is God enthroned here? In our hearts. That means wherever He's enthroned, worship must rise. So, if Jesus Christ, if God is enthroned in your heart, that means your heart must be a place of worship constantly. Hallelujah. Number two, we give devotion to God because He desires our devotion. John chapter 4, the verse 23. The first one, we give devotion to God because He deserves. This one, we give devotion to God because He desires it. <laughs> oh, God, my goodness. Listen, your understanding of God eh, changes how you work with God. That's why it's good to have understanding. So the difference between one Christian and the other is understanding. My life in God is getting better every single day because of understanding. There's something I know and understand that you don't. So listen to me. Anytime you're giving devotion and worship to God, it is because number one, he deserves it. Number two, he desires it. And this is, this is, this is good. Look, he says, but the hour cometh, and now is when the worshippers shall what? Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father what? Seeketh such to worship him. So God desires worship. He desires what? Worship. I know you read in the verse that God said if you don't worship him, he's going to command stones to worship him. Now, you see, in as much as that could be true, that that's possible, stones don't have intelligence. In fact, creation itself worshiping. When the trees are moving like that, with the wind blowing, that's adoration. But what trees, stones, and these other things in creation does for God. It's not the same as what man's worship does to him. You know why? Because man was made in his image and likeness. Listen, so there is, there is a vacuum in our relationship with God called worship which nothing else apart from man can fill. Do you know what the creator experiences 
when the creature begins to honor and adore him. So just now, the moment we close our eyes and we lift up our hands like that, and we start. Here we are lifting our hands to you. Here we are giving you thanks for all you do. Heaven disappeared. No worship, 